0: Bubba bum, bump bum, bump bum, bump bum, bump bum, bump bum, bum. It's time for the Rhett and Larry show. Bubba
1: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Rhett and Larry show. I'm Rhett here with my dad and co host Larry. Hey, Rhett, how are you? Doing great. How are you? Good, thank you. So we are here two weeks after your birthday. For your birthday, Uh I got you a um, book on Audible. This is a really good gift for people. If you're looking for a gift for birthdays, buy them an Audible book. You can get them to read something without having to read. Um, You go on walks a lot and um, other people drive to work maybe not as much anymore but uh, there's a lot of time in your day that you can find to listen to audiobooks so if you're wondering what to get your you know anybody in your life basically uh, as a gift for birthday or christmas or whatever um audible books good way to go one day will be sponsored by audible i feel like that's a pretty easy sponsorship to get seems like everyone has one of those so anyway for your birthday i got you victor frankl's man's search for meaning this is going to be a little bit of a more serious podcast a pretty serious book um i listened to it a few years ago so i'm a little gray on some of the details so maybe we can talk about together and See how you've liked it so far, and uh, just it's a very deep subject, so sure we'll have enough to talk about.
0: Yeah, first of all, I mean, you know, to whoever's listening, if you haven't heard of the book, um, I totally understand why. Um, it was written probably in the late 1940s. Uh, Viktor Frankl was a physician, uh, psych. psych psychiatrist, psychologist that um, was born in Austria and lived in Austria. He happened to be Jewish. So when the Nazis came into power and took over Austria, um, eventually he and his family were carted off to concentration camps, separated. Uh, He was married at the time. And I don't know that he found all this out right away, but they were all murdered. Uh, i think I think maybe his sister survived, but the rest of them uh, were all eliminated in concentration camps by the Nazis, gassed burned etc and He happens to go to one, and the first part of the book I think about the first half of the book i 'm about three quarters of the way done, but the first half of the book talks about his experiences in those camps and just um, How people dealt with it, how he dealt with it. He wanted to write an anonymous book, and I think it was the first version was anonymous. But then he he's up he updated it multiple times. I think you know throughout the years. I think he finally died in 1997, something like that. He was pretty. He was in his I think he was in his 90s, um, or or 80s, something like that. But
1: it looks like he was 92.
0: 92, so yeah, he's, he got up there. Yeah, born in 1905, so um, got married a second time. He was, uh, looks like this, he was, um, you know, in his in, early in his life, he was influenced by Sigmund Freud and Alfred Adler. Um, he went to Vienna Medical School in 1930, medical degree, and then he was director of the Neurological Department of the Rothschild Hospital from 1940, uh, from 1940 to 42. And then he was uh, deported to the concentration camp. Uh, um, And then when he got out from 46 to 1970, he was at the Vienna Polytechnic Clinic, or Polyclinic of Neurology. Um, Anyway, he was at four different camps. And a a lot of his theories were based on his records of observations during his times in the camp but it's a, it's fascinating just listening to what the stories that he tells about there but then you know it really gets down to you know how people survive he said that people would lose their some people would lose their will to live based upon the conditions that they faced and you can only imagine what those conditions were he describes them in detail um, you know nobody really had sufficient clothing to be able to weather the winters and do hard labor in the ice and snow. And clearly they had medical conditions, but they had mental challenges as well trying to deal with this. And um, But it really gets back to uh, really the one thing that he talks about when he came up with something called logotherapy. Um, And logotherapy, which he used in his practice after getting out, uh, being freed, he believed that humans are motivated by what he called a will to meaning. Uh, what What is their meaning in life? And if you don't, and he suggested that if people don't have any kind of thought of what their meaning is in life or, or something to do, basically, what would you like to do? Um, you know, you, you don't, you may not have that will to live. Like, why, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure why I'm here, although I can certainly think of some reasons but some good reasons i think um you know some of them are very personal and things i want to do he talked about when he asked this question to american students um, this is probably back in the 60s he'd ask american students and european students and the american students all wanted to make or not all of them but a large percentage wanted to make a lot of money that was one of their you know one of the things they were they wanted to do um so they could you know be able to afford certain things and live a certain way and stuff like that european students were not um as much like that so it was uh you know he argued that uh life can have meaning even in the most miserable of circumstances but you know and and some of those things were like hopefully i can get out of here and see my wife again because nobody really knew that their 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 how many of their family members were dead they didn't all know that
1: right because they're separated um, totally separated yeah. yeah and and they've and in some cases i think he's moved to several different camps so it's like even if you had the record of who was at a certain camp you don't really know where they are anymore because they could have been moved on records aren't kept very well they're obviously not given the information and so he comes up with this logotherapy system sort of in hindsight, based off of his experience, lived experience, basically, in the camps. Is that kind of what happens?
0: Yeah, he talks, and he really talks about that, like, everything is stripped from you in these concentration camps. You, right? like, you only get so much, your health, I mean, you really can't control your health, because it's not easy. He did talk at one point about You know, if you do have a positive attitude and you try not to stress yourself out, your body's going to feel better. So you're better off to your, your, your body can fight off disease better.
1: Right. Because there's like real physical manifestation of stress, basically. Right. Right. Exactly.
0: And, and depression and
1: things like that. And if you can
0: somehow keep above that, even in the worst of situations, then you can survive. Um, he talked about, um, everything can be taken from a man, except for this one thing, which is, um, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Yeah. That's something you can control. And if you can't control that, um, now you may be in a different kind of therapy. (laughs) Maybe you're in a different kind of, you need a different kind of therapy, but if, you know, but what his, the Logos, I'm reading this off of uh, verywellmind.com. Um, he talks, uh, it says here, uh, Logos is the Greek word for meaning. And logotherapy involves helping helping a patient find personal meaning in life. Which seems so, you know, simple to me. It shocked me how simple that really is. That, But then you know, to think of it that, all you have to do is find some meaning in your life and hopefully you'll be mentally fit and healthy. Um, That's how he would first address issues with patients. And, you know, I'm sure at some point there were patients that needed way more than that, but they didn't all have to like talk about their fathers or their mothers and what happened to them when they were three years old to, to uh, you know, finally help their mental state. It, It could be something as simple, as coming up with what their meaning of life is, um, it could be, you know, he, he, you know, again back to verywellmind.com, and I'd heard this on the on the, the book is that logotherapy proposes that meaning in life can be discovered in three ways. One is by creating a work or doing a deed,
1: and so that's something that he sort of has at the beginning of the book. He comes into the camps with, I think, a book that he's written. Um, and ultimately, the book is taken from him. It's just scraps of paper. So I, I think he loses it or it gets burned or something. Um, but that's something that he wants to pursue when he gets out of the camps. And that's an idea that he has this whole time is when I get out, I'm going to do this. Right. Whereas you could imagine not everyone had the same experience, obviously. They're, not everybody's writing a book. Not everybody's you know, has these ideas that they want to hold on to.
0: Well, he he went so far as to find scraps of paper in the concentration camp and when he could write notes on those and then try to keep those notes on little scraps of paper throughout the, you know, three years or so that he was in a camp or different camps. And he kept getting transported from one to the other. I think he was in four. But he contrasted that with, uh, he tells us one story that, it's just pretty powerful to me that I talked about a guy that was depressed, a friend of his that had dreamt that on, I think they were, they were back in November in the wind, in the middle of winter. Mm. I may have the dates wrong, but in the middle of winter, it seemed like um, this man had a, a dream and, you know, a dream one night where somebody had come to him. I think it might've been God came to him and said, look, the world will end on May 31st and you'll all be going home. Uh, well, sure enough, you know, the months go by and this man is excited for several months because he knows that on May 31st, based on the stream, um, the war will be over, they'll all be going home, so he looked forward to it. And sure enough, May 31st comes along, nothing happens. Well, um, all of a sudden, the guy goes into a tailspin, he gets sick, um, he's very depressed that the war didn't end, and within a matter of days, um, you know, his body just gives up and he gets a high fever there was typhus that was Mm -hmm. rampant in, in the uh, concentration camp and he ends up dying because he had, you know, and the theory was, uh, Frankl's theory was that he had counted so much on this day. That was his mission in life was to get out on that day and he knew it was going to happen. And when he lost that hope, um, basically give up his life
1: right he didn't um, have a new meaning
0: he didn't have a new meaning and so that the whole theory in camp was and there were a group of people that tried to do this they would try to give others meaning um, and he and at one point he gave a speech to the group about uh trying to come up with meanings meaning in their life um so and and, and he pointed out that you know relatively speaking there were a few suicides in a place like this Right. Because um, people did seem to have a meaning, whether a lot of people did have that. They wanted to get out. They wanted to get on with their life. Now, there were some that over time, they just continually wore. They just wore down. Um, but that I mean, he felt that if you if you if people were, again, had that meaning and, and knew what that meaning was once they got out, that they could survive. It was I'm not sure it was easier, but mentally it was easier. it Gave them some dreams. Um, But you couldn't, I guess you couldn't obsess over it because you could be completely, uh, you'd see, you know, some of your fellow prisoners getting executed, basically, uh, for no reason. So you never knew when your time was up. They talked, you talked a lot about fate.
1: Yeah, and like uh, free
0: will. Free will and how, you know, the the average prisoner, uh, or a lot of prisoners felt it was better off just to deal with fate. So you know, don't try to escape because that's a conscious decision, you know, just deal with what you've been given and it'll all work out. Um, that, that being said, there were people that, you know, he talks about an escape attempt. Um, but then, then as fate would have it, um, it just wasn't executed properly, but he was able to get back and not get in trouble. Um, so it's, um, it's just, it's a really good book. And, you know, I've I've met people that, um, you know, it, it's clear to me that when I talk to them, there are some, you know, some people with challenges that I don't think they do have a meaning in life, um, especially older people. Sometimes they've had their careers, maybe they don't have family, and they just wonder, you know, what's their purpose in life? I'm, I'm in my 60s. My health's not great why am I here? I don't have a lot of friends. Um, what's my purpose? And I think, you know, to, to have, you know, just using this, I think any of us can help our neighbor that has a similar type of situation to say, well, what are some, what is something that you want to look forward to doing? There's gotta be something, something, and it could be simple. You know, it could be going shopping. It could be, um, you know, doing something that you like to do. What do you like to do? Um, so I think those are, especially where I live, where there's a lot of older, older people that are single, um, that don't, you know, they don't want to hook up or, you know, they just, <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't, they don't necessarily, they're, they don't want to hang out with other people. And if they do, yeah. sometimes they just can't, it's not, they don't see it as that easy to just go out and hang out,
1: you know? Right. Hook up is not the right word to use, but. Well, it's just, yeah it's, yeah, yeah, it's a different, yeah, it's a different, uh connotation that could be
0: yeah could be taken different ways but yes um anyway so i think we can help people by giving them hope uh anyway it's just it's an interesting book and uh
1: i yeah i think something that you said um that's interesting is uh you talked about it being uh simple and so i think in one way it's very simple right if you can just come up with this meaning that's one question you have to answer and then you're good to go. I think where it's at the same time very complicated is if your meaning is not deep enough, if your meaning is get to May 31st, and then you lose the meaning, you know, you don't want a fragile meaning basically, you want like a deep meaning that you can hold on to for a long time. And if you lose that meaning, you want another meaning below that one that you can then cling on to, right? Yeah. So it can't just be some frivolous passing by thing. You need to really ingrain yourself in some like deep, long-lasting work. And I think that's where a lot of people find meaning in having children and um, you know other very difficult, long-term goals, right? Yeah, I think, you know, I think there can be shorter term
0: goals and I, I think there was one that he used, which was, um, he met an older physician who was really depressed after he found out that his wife, um, died. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he helped the man to understand that his purpose, at least until that point had been to spare his wife, the pain of losing him first. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, and, and I, maybe the guy did, you know, I mean, that was, he was worried that his wife had died, but if he maybe really didn't know, and if he, you know, if he, if he survived then he would spare his wife that pain, but I, you know, as a physician, um, the the one who lost his wife, they both lost their wives. but, you know, I think both of these guys were able to go on when they got out and have that meaning in life of helping other people. Uh, learn from their experience and not only that but practice medicine to help make people's lives better
1: right i think those are both long-term meanings though right i think helping other people is something that you're never finished with that's not something that is going to expire right
0: yeah but i think i think one of the you know i'm just looking at this page here and i haven't gotten through the whole book but looking at this website verywellmind.com it talks about how One of his, one of Frankl's assumptions is that for decisions to be meaningful, individuals must respond to the demands of daily life in ways that match the values of society or their own conscience. So I think, and and I think the other cool thing is that, you know, this is the one that really hit me was that, I mean, I I don't know why I thought this was interesting, but it really is. Um, Everybody's completely different and every situation is completely different. And that struck me in the context of, you know, the larger world that we live in where it seems like the the media and politicians and uh, people like that, they just, they always want to throw, they always want to judge people and judge things like there's only one solution to this. Well, the reality, you know, is that every individual is unique and irreplaceable. And when you have all these people running around that are unique and irreplaceable, there is not always one solution in life. There are many solutions in life. And um, so there, there isn't always one answer. So, so to simplify, to see people try to simplify the political system or, or any system, really. You know, you talk about COVID-19. You know, yeah, what, what works? A very
1: complex issue, right?
0: It's incredible. These are incredibly complex issues. The economy, they're right. incredibly complex. And if you take one set of circumstances, it's you know one theory. That doesn't mean it's right all the time. You just never know. Right. It's based upon so many different circumstances. I totally just going off on a tangent here, but uh, I interviewed someone uh, and I read some stuff about the Lincoln Chamber, uh, the Lincoln Center Chamber Music Society. And, and there was an interesting to- story told um, about how this music was, it was a quartet and this music was played. And then as sort of a on a whim, the quartet decided to play their individual parts um, separately, individually. So the clarinetist played his part. Then the pianist played her part. Um, so they did it four different times. And when the audience heard the four individual performances, they were completely separate. And they were, they were just completely random. They sounded random. Uh, but then when again they played it back together again, the audience was like, Oh my God, you took these four completely individual parts that made no sense at all. But when you put them together, you made this beautiful music. Right. And To me that reminded me of this is that individuals are unique um and that we all have my meaning of life you know it's probably completely different than yours uh, i mean i don't know if it is you you never know they evolve over time people's meaning of lives evolve over time i would think yeah Um, and based on your circumstances you know this guy was in a concentration camp at one point and then you know years later he he thinks he's free but he's really not free because he's still he still, he goes from one concentration camp to the other. The Red the red Cross comes out. and They think they're free, but they're really not. And then finally he is free, but he doesn't have the same stuff as he used to have. He doesn't have the same freedom. His family's all gone pretty much. Um, so situations and uh, circumstances of all. Totally. So anyway, it's kind of, just kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I think it's, um, I think a lot of that stuff is it's it's weird because you can uh, you hear like people say stuff like that and you you almost don't appreciate the words until you come across the same feeling if that makes sense
0: it totally makes sense and I
1: and I you
0: know i would never heard of this book it was written you know almost 80 years ago I never would have read it um on my own, um, you suggested it, and you know over the years you've given me some great suge- suggestions for books, uh, whether I read them or listen to them. This is the second one i 've listened to, so I just find it really provocative and um, and I think it's really useful for everyday life there's you know if you looked on this website um, how do you how do you apply the principles of logotherapy to improve your everyday life? Well, one is create something. Um, Creating something gives you a sense of purpose, which can add meaning to your life. Another one is develop relationships. Um, Those might help you develop a sense of meaning as well. Um, Find a purpose in pain. What's the purpose for it? I mean, you may have to use a bit of mental trick, mental trickery, but, um, you know, understand that life is not fair. Right. Uh, It's just reality. The beauty is that you have the freedom to find that meaning. Um, And you know, when you feel stuck on something, one of the suggestions here is focus on others. Try to find focus or try to focus outside of yourself to get through feeling stuck about a situation. And finally, um, you know, accept the worst. Um, It says when you go out seeking the worst, it reduces the power it has over you. So I, you know, I don't know if I totally buy into that, but, um, I do know that when I, when I don't have massive expectations, I'm not as disappointed, I suppose, as, um, other times.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I think, um, send me that link and I'll put it in the description of the episode. Okay. Um, It sounds like a good resource. Um, I think, One of the challenges with all the stuff is if you're not ready to hear the message, like I could say those words to you and you could, if you didn't read the book, you wouldn't get it. Right. It's a great point. And so there's this like challenge with like human communication. Like I can say the words, but how do you know that I have the same meaning in those words that you do right? Like you could tell a, 10 year old that, and, or, uh, you know, someone who's competent enough to understand what the words mean and they wouldn't understand the feeling. So I think that's sort of the value in, um, some of these books is that they can, uh, better explain that feeling and, and give you like a, you know, a background for the words.
0: Well, I think it's, to me, it's, it's as simple as I think reading the book, um, and having people understand that we, we certainly can interpret the book different ways, I would think, but yeah, totally. Um, at the same time, I think by, you know, when people read the same book and they read this, or whatever it is, background, data, whatever it is, yeah, I mean, you certainly can interpret it different ways, but at least you've had the opportunity to be on the same page. So to me, being on the same page, when it comes to human communication, is so critical and you know it's just so hard to get everybody on quote the same page to give them the same data to give them the same perspective on things and i think that's one of the key challenges in society is that uh you know if you look at so much of the conflict in our lives in society it's because so many people have completely different perspectives i mean you name the conflict whether it's political racial um socioeconomic whatever it is i mean nobody's on the same page these people are not on the same page for, for the vast majority of the time I, same page is such a simple way to describe it yeah totally it's, it's like it's a so simple. much it's incredibly complicated though so. yeah makes sense yeah
1: so uh audiobooks a plus a minus pretty good this one plus. You, you said you like Audiobooks seem like a good move though. Are you, are you in the ecosystem? Are you fully? <laughs> I'm in
0: the ecosystem. I think, again, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but I think the great yeah. challenge is the, the inability to take notes.
1: And totally. Yeah. That's a huge problem.
0: Yeah. I've got, um, you know, I'm, so I, you know, I go on these long walks and I'm sitting there on mile, mile, whatever. Yeah. And I'm sitting there walking with my cell phone open. Um, I'm putting down like, you know, how much time is left that yeah, if I want to write Ridgely something about
1: this tapping notes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So I keep typing my notes as to like, Oh, you got to check out. There's two hours left. Check this part out,
1: you know? Yeah. Right. So it's hard
0: to take notes and I, you know, that would be, you know, there's, I would hope audible would come up with some way to, uh,
1: That would be great.
0: Yeah. If you just could talk to the, talk to the machine and, yeah. you know, I don't know how to do it, but.
1: They have a um, they have a bookmarking system, but it's not very good. Um, but there is in the app a little, you can hit bookmark or something, but you have to go back and um, and get into it. Uh, okay. I recently came across an app called AIR, A-I-R-R, and it is a podcast aggregating app, like Apple Podcasts or like... Uh, you know, whatever your favorite podcasting app is. So AIRR and it, um, has some, uh, for a very popular podcast, it transcribes the entire podcast. And then when you click the button, it will take the like plus minus 30 seconds and, uh, send that as a note and, and save that for you. So that's like a very powerful tool. I think that's going to, You know, for me, there's no reason to not use that app, I think, at this point, Um, because it does exactly what you're talking about for podcasts. Audible, I think we're in a tough spot. We're sort of, uh, if Amazon doesn't push out that feature, then we're stuck with their little bookmarking system. But I, you know, that's probably my biggest gripe. I agree with you with audiobooks. But other than that, I think audiobooks, you know, phenomenal way to learn more.
0: What are you reading now?
1: listening to um super forecasting by philip tetlock i think and it's about um you know the ability to predict yeah philip tetlock the ability to predict the future and these people who you know you think of uh these statistically minded math geniuses who are gonna you know use their models to predict the weather or whatever um and it turns out that the people that predict the best are, you know, they do have an above-average um, understanding of math and reasoning. But the thing that really sets them apart is having not being like married to any ideology or idea, um, because being being really stuck on one idea can make you really far off in an entire field of prediction. Right? Like if you have an idea and it's wrong, which it probably is wrong, um, and you're unwilling to change your mind, you're going to be like disproportionately away from the average opinion um, and the, you know, the average opinion plus minus whatever is is most likely to be correct. Oh. Um, I think you have to take some of these prediction books with a grain of salt, uh, the whole, field is sort of a I think it's it can be tough to understand exactly what they mean if you don't have like a strong math background I don't think that my math background is good enough um so I think you could always be learning more math <laughs>
0: that's that's hard to believe
1: yeah um yeah a lot of these people just know a lot more than I do right The uh, yeah um I'm trying to think what was another good example from this book. Regression to the mean is the big idea. So uh, if, here's an example, if a father is 6'1 and the average man is 5'8, how tall is his son? I have no idea. When you imagine the son in your mind, how tall is he?
0: I think it to me it would it would depend on how tall his uh, mother is, and yeah, with it, so it's
1: not an exact thing, right? You can't obviously predict the exact height of the son, mm-hmm. but would you like when you think of a six one father, you expect his son to be about the six same height or tall
0: six one or taller? Yeah,
1: sure. So the idea here is of of regression to the mean is that if the average Man is 5'8, then it doesn't matter that the father was 6'1. Like that will pull up the expected value height of the son a little bit, but it's likely that the son will be between 5'8 and 6'1. That doesn't mean that the, and this is another important point. That doesn't mean that the son can't be 6'4. It's just unlikely. Right. And so then when you when you take that word unlikely or there's a fair chance, language like that that we see in the media all the time. There's uh, There's a guy in this book who talked about we should be putting actual number predictions next to those words because <laughs> when you say a fair chance and then it happens, you can sort of like in hindsight say, ooh, my prediction was correct. I said there was a fair chance and it happened. And then if it's wrong, you can say, oh, well, it was only a fair chance. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't mean, like, if you have a, if you said there's a 20% chance of rain and it rains tomorrow, that doesn't mean that you were wrong. Right. Or if you say there's a 90% chance of rain and it doesn't rain, you hit the 10% chance. It doesn't mean you're wrong. Right. Right. You're only wrong if you predict 90% chance 10 times and it only rains five times right right but if it rains nine out of ten times that's exactly what you said right and so there's there's a lack of understanding i think um yeah i think i think there's that. a
0: lack of i no, i do think and i think too from you know as a journalist i think totally. that yeah. it's you know it make what you're saying makes a lot of sense i mean we try to simplify things for the reader sometimes and fairly or unlikely i mean if it's 10 percent right. chance it's unlikely
1: yeah. But it but is, is still a 10% chance. You right. Know? Is fifty percent also unlikely or is forty percent unlikely? You know, like what is the what is the range of the word unlikely? It's different for different people.
0: Yeah. Right. And it depends what the likelihood it depends what you're talking about, if it's rain or about oh,
1: the context, yeah.
0: Politics or whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. Or it's baseball team winning or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like yes. uh, Leicester. Leicester was unlikely to win the Premier League in 2016, but they did. Mm-hmm. Right. But what yeah. does unlikely mean? There are betting markets for that, I guess, so you could you could put a number to it. But those numbers? very unlikely.
0: Yeah, and those numbers evolved over the course of the season as well.
1: Totally, yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so that's a good one.
0: Does this mean that there's a chance of night classes in here for you uh, taking more math classes?
1: I've been thinking about um, buying math textbooks and going through them. I think it would be good to go through like one a year or one every other year. Mm -hmm. Um, Just sort of do some on the weekends. I have a friend of a friend who uh, does that. He just does math problems, (laughs) (laughs) which, um, you know. I think there are, there are worse hobbies for sure. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, you can learn a lot from, you know, sharpening your mind to do more math and complex math. Oh, totally. Yeah.
0: Well, I think as as someone that used to like to do it and then got away from it, um, there is a regret, there's a regression as well. So totally. Yeah. You know, to keep yourself, um, to keep your mind, um, at the top of its game, I think it's a good idea as well.
1: Yeah, I feel the um, I feel the same way. I feel like sometimes I was like peak intelligence when I was like eighteen, and it's just been uh, <laughs> been devolving to the mean, you know, since then, right? Or yeah, to the mean. Yeah, I'm like average intelligence now.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a book, regressing to the mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Everything That's that fun. you don't practice, you're just going to regress to the mean. Yeah. So you got to keep practicing. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. All right. No new emails this week. No new emails. Rhett and, A-N-D, Larry at gmail.com. Email us new topics, things you liked, things you hated. Go read the book, Man Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl. Very good. You can find it on Audible or wherever books are sold, probably. (laughs) It's probably Um, true. Yeah. All right. Anything else?
0: That's about it. Hope you have a great week. And uh, we'll catch you, if not next week, the week after. Sounds good. All right.
1: Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.